Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. Ahead of the open day at Chagas Ballyhees on Wednesday the 13th of July, Donald Patton and Barry Riley join us to give insight into the performance being achieved at the Dairy Herd and how the research is addressing the key challenges affecting farmers in the region. And Barry started by giving an overview of the farm. Yeah, so we have a 56 hectare milking block with 12 hectares just after coming in um, in this year. It was previously uh, in heifer ground. Um, and we're also in the process uh, of draining and receding another 5.6 hectares of an out block. Uh, we're currently milking 120 cows with the plan to go to 140. Um, we're a spring calving system and have been for the last number of years with a mixture of high EBI, um, Frisian and Jersey crossbred cows. And looking at the, I suppose, rolling average in terms of performance there, Barry, what sort of production and fertility performance do ye see and are ye achieving um, with the Ballyhays herd? Prior to 2015, we would have been sitting at sort of 420, 430 kilos of solids. Um, I suppose we've risen that up to about 470 or 475. Um, over the last number of years on about 800 kilos of concentrate. Um, it'll be slightly above the co-op average. Um, however, our, our feed uh, inputs would probably be, be south of the co-op average. Um, it's probably up over north of the ton. Um, we're sitting on an, an annual basis of about 460 fat, uh, 365 protein. Again, co-op average sitting slightly less at maybe 410 and 340 protein. Um, but there is numerous guys in the region who would be beating us on protein at the minute. Um, Six-week calving rate, we're sort of sitting between that 80 and 85% over the last number of years. Um, again, well ahead of the co-op average of about 60%. Um, and we have a calving interval of about 360 or 361 days, I think it was there last year. And I guess if, if we consider the, the Ballyhays farm, you know, there's a research function and also an education function to the farm. So, you know, while it's not totally com- comparable with a commercial farm, there, there is elements of, of, um, of co-op performance difference that, that you have compared, Barry. If we look at the research side of things to you, Donal, what is the, um, I suppose, current research experiments that you're carrying out um, at Ballyhays? Yeah, so Emma Louise, we're on year two now of a five-year programme. Um, so we started in, in 2021 and I suppose we're tackling a number of issues, but but the main one being, being clover really. But um, I suppose the, the, the import of uh, nitrogen into the system through both uh, concentrate feed and clover. So... As it is at the minute, we're running sort of four treatments uh, and within that there's two different sward types. So we've got grass only swords and then grass clover swords. Um, and then we've got two different levels of feed input. So 600 kilos, which would have been, I suppose, traditionally where we'd have been at for the last good number of years uh, versus 1.2 tonnes, which as Barry has said, is probably where most guys in the region would be at in terms of feed input. So look at, I suppose, um, we're, we're kind of looking at this over, as say, a five-year program. Uh, the big question in this part of the world around clover is persistence. Um, so we've tried to front load the establishment to the first um, uh, two to three years, uh, you know, to front load it and do as much as we can up front. 
uh, to give us that option to, or the opportunity to look at the persistence of those swords over time and see if the clover stays in the swords. Um, I suppose the soil type here, it is a, a heavy clay drumland type soil. So obviously that's not as um, suitable for clover as more freedom and soil. So yeah, that's that's a big part of it is just seeing the persistence of the clover over time and seeing if we can keep it in the sward. And and on that um, persistency, uh, Donal, have you had clover in the swords previously? Um, you know, and is persistency something that you would perceived as an issue? Yeah, I, look at we've 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 dabbled with it a little bit. We've been doing previous to this. We've been tr- doing trials on um, grazing season length and calving dates and feed inputs and a whole different range of stuff. But we have dabbled with it over the years. Uh, haven't really. D- you know, gone at it really hard. But the little bits we did, yes, persistency was definitely an issue. And anecdotally talking to farmers locally, uh, some guys who've done more of it than what we would do, I think that's the big issue is actually keeping this, keeping it there. And look, maybe that's an issue nationwide, but definitely for the lads in this region, that's that's the big one. Like, And to you, Barry, in terms of the establishment of um, that white clover on farm, Donald said, you know, you're you're really pushing hard and trying to establish it as soon as possible. Like, what is your strategy to get clover into the swords? Yeah, so we've, um, as Donald said, is kind of front loaded as much receding as possible. So I suppose what we're at, wouldn't be recommended to a commercial farmer. Um, so last year we basically receded 25% of the farm and the same again this year. Plus we've also oversown 15% of the farm and again the same again this year. And um, I suppose from from next year on going forward, hopefully them numbers will be will be smaller. That will be down to sort of a 10% reseed and a 10% oversow again from for the remaining years in the trial. Um, and our process of establishment is Basically, we try and front load the reseed, so it's um, magic day sort of spray, um, go in with your lime, uh, FYM, um, if you have it, get it on it. And then we have a local contractor here who comes in with a one pass and um, stitches in the, the grass and grass clover mixes. Um, and it's the same again on the oversowing. It's, it's grazed tight, late April, early May, when conditions are still slightly damp. And um, it's six kilos to the hectare we, is the rate we go at here. Uh, last year, both of the, the systems we used worked and we got good establishment. Now, look at last year was probably the perfect year for clover in that we had a very dry autumn then to, to push it forward again. Um, our average clover content for the swords that we oversold last year in May of this year was 15%. But there was a massive range but in that 15%. So you had paddocks that didn't work on and then you had paddocks with you know up to 40 percent clover in it there in may this year and of the 85 percent of the area we oversold in 21 it has clover in it this year um the average clover content of our reseeds from last year in may of this year was 16 percent but the range was much smaller than the oversow and so we had one paddock that it you know it it it's a poor paddock of itself anyway it, it the range is sort of from six percent to twenty six percent but 90% of the paddocks that we reseeded would have good clover content in them and, and we'd be quite happy with them. 
And uh, it's an interesting comment you make in terms of the, the level of receding that you've done is not recommended and also probably not realistic for dairy farmers unless, um, you know, inevitably they, they have, you know, additional ground or additional feed in the yard um, to fill the hole um, during that receding process. Um, the, the I suppose the level that you will um, bottom out at in year three on with your 10% recede and 10% over or so is, is, I guess, reflective of what a lot of people are doing on farms. Um, for paddocks, uh, Barry, where ye, ye have seen a low level of clover content. So, you know, you, you talk at the lower end of the range at, you know, zero, six percent. Is there any actions you're going to take with those paddocks immediately or will you leave that until year three, four or five? Yeah, so some of them lower level paddocks, we've gone in and oversown them again this year with the intentions of trying to, to bump up the clover content in them again. Now, whether it'll work or not, um, that answer remains to be seen, I suppose. It'd be fair to say, Barry, that, that those paddocks where we've struggled with clover content as reason, whether it be drainage or, you know, heavier paddocks and more heavy clay paddocks that are struggling. So I suppose that would make sense, like. And on that, Donald, say for those paddocks where you have um, achieved a, a, a strong level of clover content, so 20% plus, um, are you altering fertilizer strategy or are there particular rules within the research trial around fertilizer strategy going forward? Yeah, well, look at what we did last year, M. Louise, um, from the point of view of trying to give it its best chance um, and I didn't really mention it there. Barry didn't mention it in terms of the, our our steering group would have pushed it pushed us fairly strongly in terms of um, you know doing a bigger percentage than what we initially intended to do of area. So from the from the outset, really the persistence of it is 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 the key question, and we kind of wanted to give it the best chance we could. So both on our overthrown swords and on our reseeds last year, we actually pulled nitrogen from from the date of sowing, so we didn't put on any nitrogen from that point on. Um, now, it, there was no real negatives to that, we'll say, on the on the uh, reseeded ones, but definitely on the oversown ones, it left them quite hard to manage. Uh, you know, grass quality deteriorated for a number of rotations after until the, until the clover um, took over. So that's that's basically what we did last year. We got a good establishment, so we plan to do the same this year in terms of pulling nitrogen off. So the, the swords we would have uh, receded and oversown last year got, I think, in the region of around about 60, 65 kilos of N in spring. So basically the same as all the other paddocks got in spring. And from April on, they haven't received any nitrogen. And on uh, your other aspect of the experiment, Donald, you have mentioned feeding level. And I suppose if we reflect on Barry's figures, you know, you're looking at um, milk solids production in the herd of 470 kilos, um, which is, you know, very substantial performance, um, you know, and and well above the co-op average, Um, you know, do you is there more potential within the herd in terms of production per cow or you know are you at a, a your limit at 470 kilos ah sure look at there's, there's always potential for more i suppose uh, the old target was to get to 150 and now the next target is to get to 500 i suppose but um yeah look at it's a thing that we would have you know we get a bit of um criticism on it over the years in terms of our pr- productions on the production side that our production was low and um, we have improved that over the last number of years but 
we're still modest enough on the feed level side of things. Now, I suppose usually when we're quoting those figures, we use co-op performance data. Now, when we're looking at the difference between our treatments, we'll be looking at milk recorded data and there could be a bit of a differential there. So the 471 kilos last year was milk sold. Now, if we look at the differential between the, the feed input systems just on one year, and it's only one year's data, so you have to be careful about it, but it's kind of what we would have expected. So our uh, cows that were on the high in feed inputs, now we didn't actually manage to get to the 1.2 tonne. I think we averaged around, I think it was for the two groups, was 1.1 tonne we actually fed. Uh, we did 505 kilos of milk solids versus 475 kilos of milk solids on uh, 600 kilos of meal. So about a half a tonne differential in feed and around about 30 kilos milk solids of a differential, which is kind of what we would have expected. And the economic implications for that, Donald, like is it paying to feed that extra supplement? Well, look at I suppose I just done a few quick sums on it on last year's feed price and last year's milk price. It was kind of break even. And even if you do it on this year's milk price, which is a record milk price, but also the feed input uh, costs have gone up. It's still around about break even. So there's nothing. Um, there's no major benefit in it as we've seen it so far. So look, it'll be interesting to follow that through for the number of years and see because the reality is that. There's very few people in this part of the world that's below a ton concentrate feeding level. And Donald, to you in relation to when we think about the, um, I suppose, environmental sustainability of a, of a farm, the research that you're carrying out is focusing on, say, clover and, and I suppose the interaction with the level of nitrogen that you're spreading and also uh, feed inputs from external sources. Um, you know, I guess, where do you see that addressing the sustainability challenge within the region? Yeah, so as well as look at when we were um, putting together the plan for the trial um, in sort of 2020, um, you know, fertilizer prices, feed prices were a different place where they are now. So we're actually looking at really predominantly from the environmental point of view and reducing the end surplus. So if you take one extreme to one extreme, we've got a system doing sort of where you're spreading 250 kilos of nitrogen, feeding 1.2 tonne of concentrate. That's around about 200 kilo. A nitrogen surplus within that system, which would be normal enough for the more um, for the more intense grazing guys, um, and we're trying to push that down to you know hopefully if we can get the clover established um, and we have enough clover in the swords, half the fertilizer, which is 125 kilos, and half the meal or concentrate, which is 600 kilos. So potentially that's a 70% reduction in end surplus. Now that only holds true if we can feed the herd within uh, within that within the the confines of that system. So what I'm saying, or what I mean about that, if 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 um, by reducing nitrogen fertilizer we're dropping um, tonnage or grass growing and we're ending up having to import silage into the system, well, that's going to erode that 70%. But potentially looking at it from the outset, that's sort of the aim is to get sort of a 70% reduction in the nitrogen surplus within the systems. And, and to you, Barry, another aspect and, and a driver of the system, as as I see it from the figures you've talked about today, is the fertility. Um, you know, huge difference between the Ballyhays herd and, uh, you know, the co-op average in terms of six week calving rate and calving interval. And, you know, that will 
inevitably drive milk production performance and reduce the reliance on, I guess, milking over winter. Uh, what are the key drivers um, that that I suppose help you achieve that high fertility performance relative to the average? Look, we we would have previously had a very high fertility um, herd. Um, Last year, we had a bit of a blip. We were involved in a couple of different things that has reduced that. However, hopefully we get the wheels back in the wagon now this year. But, um, yeah, should look at it. It goes back to your basics in, you know, having a high submission rate, um, cows in good body condition score, um, you know, not running tight on grass in the springtime and, and keeping them in a high plane of nutrition going into the breeding season. Um, we would be using a, a good chunk of sex semen here and then switching to beef fairly um, early. Um, so far, you know, this year has has been running fairly smoothly so far, and that you know we've yeah, a ninety plus percent submission rate, and well, we seem to be you know running at a, a sort of a fifty percent non-return rate at the minute. Um, but we had a, a good chunk of late calving cows last year, so that'll be dragging that down slightly. Um, but yeah, we would be slightly ahead of of the co-op average, and as you say, it, w- it would be helping our um kilos of solids delivered to the co-op. And finally, to you, Donald. Um... There's an open day at the Ballyhays farm on July 13th. Uh, what can farmers expect on the day? Yeah, so look, and I suppose, Emma Louise, we'd be going through, obviously, more detail in terms of the current trial. Uh, also, looking back at some of the lessons we've learned over the last good number of years, been involved here in, um, in Ballyhays with research. Um, then I suppose it's going to break, we'll break it down into the different components of successful systems. So uh, the breeding being a big one for the region. So you've mentioned that there, the fertility, you know, the average calving interval in, in, the, in the co-op here is over 400 days. So it's obviously a big issue. And um, so breeding and fertility, um, you know, sex semen usage, all that sort of stuff. Uh, we're going to have a bit of demonstration then on different methods of clover establishment. And then, you know, there'll be lots of other little bits and pieces. We'll have a farmer forum as well at the end where we've got um, three farmers from the, we'll say, our catchment area that are, um, we'll say, taking some of the research into practice. So we have J.R. Pardy, who's going to chat a little bit on the clover establishment on his farm and how he's gone about it. Uh, we've got Killian Brennan, who's looking at the breeding side of things and improving the herd. So he's local here, County Cavan. Um, uh, we have David and Laura Han and then looking at this, the, the whole thing around succession. So that'll be just towards the end of it. So it should be a good day. Yeah, really looking forward to it. And um, uh, any follow-up questions any of our listeners have on the day, um, Barry and Donald, you will, will be available to take them from us. Thank you, guys. Thank you. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And my thanks to Barry Riley and Donald Patton for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.